This is Tim Hunzey, partner of Parallel Music Publishing and board member of the Nashville Association of Independent Music Publishers. Thanks for listening to the Nashville Pubcast. On this episode of Nashville Pubcast, we have Molly Sheehan, an associate with Milam Horsnell Crow Kelly PLC and Christian Barker of his own Barker Nashville PLLC. Whew, it's a lot to say. We attempt to uncomplicate publishing deals, both on and off Music Row, as well as discuss artist development deals. Christian Barker. I'm an entertainment attorney here in town. And my practice is transactional and litigation. I focus on primarily music industry, but also do a little bit of fine arts and digital media work as well. Been here in town for six or seven years and have a solo firm, Barker Nashville PLLC. So Molly, give us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Um, I work at an entertainment law firm, Milam Horsnell Crow Kelly. I'm an associate there. I've been in Nashville for about 10 years. The firm is a boutique entertainment law firm. We primarily focus on transactional deals. We do it all. Um, Artists, sort of creative entrepreneurs, you name it. Uh, Copyright, trademark, anywhere in the IP space. So... That's a, that's a lot. Oh, look, a lot. Both of y'all, yeah. a little bit of a mouthful there. I'm just a humble publisher, so you know, it, it's I'm simple, simple in my life. But uh, we're going to walk through what first a basic publishing looks like, a publishing deal looks like, first writer deal probably to be the easiest. Um, and you guys can expand on that as, as, as you like to. And then also kind of we'll get into what artist production deals look like as well. Um, so Christian, so I'm a writer. I just got offer from a, a publishing company, and I'm not sure what to do. I'm, I have no clue what I'm doing here, but can you help me? Because the first thing I saw is it seemed like it was a really long deal. They wanted four years, and they call it a term. Can you explain? Is that normal? What does that usually look like? Four years, to me, is a little long uh, <laughs> out, the, out the gate. Um, what what I like to see is typically an 18-month to two-year commitment that's in maybe or maybe not including options but um you know what i have been seeing a lot here lately is 18 months with um with a renewal uh or two depending on the publisher and um you know what what's going on so the next important thing is usually like money what am what should i be asking for in this deal uh, as a new guy kind of fresher off the bus without a whole lot of activity or leverage as you say what what what's typical right now are you seeing actually in the last 12 to 18 months, I would say that I, the advances have been going up. The offers have been have have gone up from what I've seen in the past. Usually, um, four or five years ago, we're seeing these what I would consider baby deals uh, starting out probably uh, below uh, what the low income level would be as far as an income, $1,200 to $1,800 monthly draw with really nothing walking in. Um, those are the deals that I've done. Probably a handful, of ten deals were in that range. Here recently, I would say that that number has started to creep up uh, a little bit. You got term, you got draw. Usually comes into. Uh, I'm going to wonder how. What are they going to expect from me? So I got to turn in some songs. What What do they expect on that on my delivery these days? The they're going to want your delivery to be uh, as high as possible. Um, and I've what I like to negotiate out is an average of a one whole composition per month commitment um, and when we're talking about what a whole composition is 
Um, if you write a song with a, a co-writer, then you're really turning in half of a composition. Or if you have three other co-writers, you're turning in a quarter of a composition. So you're looking at turning in a whole, for each composition commitment that you're being asked, that is one whole composition as opposed to just a fractional. Uh, and most, because we're in Nashville, um, co-writing is is the thing. So uh, you have to take that into consideration with regard to meeting your turn-in targets. New guy, they uh, probably not offering me any publishing at the on the front end. But do you think we could work some in in the back end, longer in, into my deal somehow, or is that not even on the table? I will say I think it really depends on what um, we're seeing. A lot of our trigger deals, so. Yes, if you want a share of your publishing, then we're going to think long term over the trajectory of your career and try to set up a deal at the beginning that provides flexibility um, on the backside. And so if you're an artist, sort of how how likely are you going to cut your own songs? Are you going to sell over a certain amount? And then can we try to set up triggers that if you've fully recouped plus half a million that you'll get co-pub or something along those lines and try to structure a relationship that can be set up to get publishing later down the road. Right now, unfortunately, if you're the new guy off the bus, off the Greyhound, probably not going to be in your cards. They usually ask about a Schedule A. Let's talk about that. Sure. So your Schedule A is going to be, let's say that you have a bulk of songs or compositions that you're walking into the deal with that you're bringing to the table. Your Schedule A is really going to be your list of compositions under under the deal but what i like to try to do on the front end is take that schedule a and negotiate some type of advance uh on that uh block of songs uh so um again your schedule a is going to be the list of songs that are compositions that are flowing with the deal so if if somebody were to come in molly is kind of playing the the publisher side of that if uh if he's coming in wanting an advance what would you structure on the publishing side for that for coming in like if if he's expecting one what would you dictate in on your end on the publishing side well i think for first of all we sort of go back to that term and and try to determine how long are you going to be sort of a part of the company and part of the team and i think to see the forest and the trees i mean at the end of the day when you're an artist and you're a songwriter and you're signing with a publisher you want someone that you're gonna have a sustainable relationship with so going back to the advanced section i want to be able to give you enough money that i value you and that you know i'm really believing in you and, and i want you part of my team but i also it's a risk and this is an investment and so and i'm bringing a lot to the table in supporting you and setting up co-writes, putting my name on you, my reputation. And so I'm going to really sort of judge how long am I going to have you, how many option periods. And then um, we know with the advance that you're going to start off. So let's say it's an $18,000 a year deal. And then each year it's going to go up in increments. And that's sort of a flat deal. We're not going to put a min-max formula in just because we don't know. And it's right now you're... What's a max formula? A min-max formula. So there's sort of two different ways to set up advances. So you've got the flat deal that we talked about, which is so you've got $18,000 for your first year. Your second option period, maybe that'll go up $2,000. So you're at $20,000, so on and so forth. A min-max formula is put in so that there's a floor... So that no matter, well, first of all, it's based on the number of sort of your income and your royalties that you're generating. So if you are very successful and you 
sort of move the the ledger, if you will, on your income, then you're going to have more flexibility within a range. There's a min-max. So let's say the floor is 24000 and the max is 30000 Then within that range, sort of based on a formula, you'll end up, that's what your advance is the next year. It'll never go below the floor and it'll never be higher than the max. For me, kind of speaking on Molly's part as being the publisher in this conversation, is that I try to establish a way on the back end that if there are successes, you're rewarded within the deal uh, for me. Exactly, but yeah. it sounds like you guys are on the same page, but uh, it can be challenging in our in our marketplace, I think, at, sure. at the moment, for sure. Just from a pure negotiation standpoint, too, with regard to Schedule A, um, I kind of take the negotiation approach that that's I like for that to be the very last conversation that we have uh, about had the valuation of Schedule A versus uh, having that up front. I like to land on what our deal points are going to be and then say, what about the bulk of work that we're bringing in and it's had XYZ success? Let's talk about that now. Um, that's not necessarily... I mean, I don't know how other attorneys... Being a solo, I'm kind of operating a silo uh, <laughs> as far as that goes on, on my behalf. But Molly, you probably know better of how that those deal points usually pan out. Yeah, and I think it just depends. I mean, a lot of times your schedule A is unexploited composition, so there's going to be no success there, especially if you're a new artist. You sure. maybe have one or two songs that have been co-writes that have had a little bit of movement, but otherwise, um, and if you're a successful art, I mean, as soon as that leverage moves, uh, you're a successful songwriter, the whole deal structure, there's a lot more flexibility there because um, there's, like you're saying, to your point, there's a success record. There's right. a track history. Sort of, you know, okay, this is what you did in the past. This is what we can do moving forward. But on the new artist side, it's hard to have any evaluation because you don't know the value. So. Okay, the, another a point I know that usually comes up in mind in negotiations and discussions is admin uh, reversion and admin fees. So, y'all want to touch on that a little bit? When you're thinking about admin fees, so what? it's the work that the publisher is doing to collect royalties and collect the income. And so, if you own a portion of your publishing share, then you're and, and the writer, so the writer has some is sort of you, and then the publisher has some of each of these shares. You're going to give the right to, even though it's your share, you're going to give the right to the publisher to admin your share. And so if there's some sort of reversion of rights that occurs and you have, and you either get some of your publishing back or it's a co-pub deal from the start, then there's going to be a reversion of admin. So for a certain period of time, the publisher is going to administer those. And then after, it's usually the end of the term, plus five years or repayment or recoupment, depending on how that structure looks, then there's going to be a reversion of admin rights. And you can go to another third party and say, hey, I own X amount of these songs. Can you administer them for me? Or you can enter into another publishing deal and just have that as the admin side. Um, and I also think part of that um, analysis is from the publisher side, you would want to have a first right of negotiation or a matching right so that once those rights, the admin rights revert back to the artist or the writer, then as the publisher, you can say, hey, whatever you're shopping, you have to bring it to me first and I can match those and I can continue serving that role for you. 
I think there's a point I want to point out is uh, uh, that's important is that you really it's imperative for you as a writer to want to get your admin fees back at some point. So it's particularly if you're looking to sell your catalog, because most people that are buyers are going to want those rights. And uh, that's the right for me as a publisher to be able to sign off on all your licensing and take and collect your money and everything. So for you to have that back allows you to be able to sell it. You could still sell the catalog, but as a buyer who's bought some in the past, you don't if you don't get the admin rights, it's not as a track. kind of new language because I know again it's getting more and more involved because more and more publishers are, are just really in the artist development field today more than they're used to be so if you guys could address some of that language well, I great. feel like every single entity in the uh, is trying to get into the artist development game at this point in time I mean you see a lot of producers trying to get in doing doing artist development deals now too and everyone that uh, kind of touches or has a, a bit of influence I feel like is starting to try to do artist development deals and i feels like they're getting pretty aggressive as well yeah Yeah. i'll jump in so i think there's extra funds and it can be open-ended i think the mutually agreed upon language is key in most deals because you need to also know the direction that the artist is going in but there are going to be extra funds specifically earmarked for for example a showcase or rehearsal space or producing a master and then you can get as detail oriented as you want in that if a third party producer comes in there it has to be agreed on between the publisher and the writer um, and that has to be mutually agreed upon and there can be some flexibility there can be a uh, a general cap that the funds will not exceed a certain amount of money or it can be each portion is mutually agreed upon as you need it. Um, And one other area that I've also seen is travel funds. So providing the ability for the writer to travel and go sort of outside of the national footprint. Um, And then it comes into play depending on the amount of money that has been invested and depending on the relationship of the publisher, publisher, if they're going to be taking an active role in pitching you to the label and being a part of that relationship, that if the if, in fact, the publisher is able to secure the label deal, then having some sort of override royalty that it gets paid to the publisher. And that's really where that cap comes in with if they're signed, if the artist is signed and they get an advance for $100,000, then not more than 25% of their advance. So in that case, 25000 I chose that because it's a square number, not a normal number. <laughs> I like um, easy math. All good. <laughs> it is, uh, it, that can be sort of the max that you're going to have to repay the publisher. And beyond that, it'll kind of go out of your royalties and not that advance money, but your royalties as a writer. But that's sort of um, the base point. And then once you're signed, there can be an override royalty. And then in some situations, I've seen a few 360 participation as well. Once you're signed, if the publisher truly was a part of that conversation. 
as Christian has mentioned, I've seen more and more other entities coming in and jumping and getting involved that are wanting. So I'm, I'm asking you as attorneys to advise young artists and deals that they are pretty aggressive 360 deals early in a career prior to record agreements. So what do you guys suggest or, or tell them to kind of look at in those in those points other than always get an attorney before you sign anything? I try to paint the picture of success for an artist or a writer and um, down the road with regard to splits of money. So uh, for each team member that you add, you're kind of partitioning off a section of your income. And so um, especially with regard to funky development deals up front, I want them to understand that when you're looking at a pie chart of your potential income, if you're successful uh, down the road, you know, you're going to have a business manager, you're going to have an attorney, you're going to, the label's going to take X amount of points, the publisher's going to take so many points. If you're booking shows, they're going to take so many points. So if you have a development deal on the front end that has like an ancillary income uh, provision that's a big chunk, I mean, you start to see your portion of the pie shrink pretty quickly. And that's what I try to fight against on behalf of my clients. And and I feel like that um, if a client is starting to get quite a few development deal offers uh, like all at the same time, that tells me that they have some traction in the market. And I try to sort through those and position them with a respected, a trusted folks that I know aren't going to take advantage of them. I agree. I feel like, first of all, like you said, Tim, get an attorney. Whenever you, when you need an attorney the most is early on in your career, when essentially you can't afford one. And then once you can afford one, you've got 10 different people looking over your shoulder. But if you can find someone that you trust and can have a relationship with that you truly are transparent and open with different deals or possibilities that are occurring, and also someone that works within the entertainment industry. I've seen a lot of deals outside of the messiest deals are from third-party investors outside of the entertainment industry that are lending their money and want a huge return that's not feasible. That, As Christian said, when you lay out that pie chart, if you've got 50% of your income going to a third party that's not bringing anything to the table in terms of services, you're, you're in the hole before you even start. And so I think it's really important that if you are an artist and you have different people coming to you that you find an attorney that you trust that you work with or even just an advocate if it's not an attorney someone that can say this just doesn't seem right and I think one point to always keep in mind with label deals and publishing deals is it's a loan they're a publisher or label they're loaning you money and your repayment is through your delivery and the royalties that you make back and unlike a bank you don't have to repay it and also unlike a bank they're providing you a support system and they're part of your team but when you start thinking about 360 deals and all of these different sort of repayment terms it's just that these are the ways that you're paying them back which means it's going to be against your future earnings so really being mindful of that that this is a long-term trajectory that everyone wants to think about where are we going to be in five years where are we going to be in 10 years thanks for listening to the nashville aimp podcast For more information, check out AIMP.org or follow us at Nashville AIMP on Instagram. The Nashville AIMP would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, SoundExchange and Jamber. SoundExchange develops business solutions for the entire music industry. They collect and distribute royalties on behalf of more than 155,000 recording artists, master right owners, and music publishers. SoundExchange have paid out more than $5 billion in royalties, 
SX Works serves the licensing and administration needs of music publishers around the world and operates CMRRA, which represents music publishers and administers mechanical rights for the majority of songs recorded, sold, and broadcast in Canada. Chamber wants to know if you're looking for an easier way to capture song splits at the point of creation and organizing your catalog. Jamber is our podcast sponsor, and they are offering listeners a first look at their songwriter and publisher apps that allow songwriters to collaborate when inspiration strikes. Go to jamber.com forward slash AIMP to sign up today. We appreciate you listening to the Nashville Pubcast. Stay tuned for our all new episode next week.